This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, June 13th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, FBI arrests Telluride man in undercover child sex operation. Sunnyside Lottery enters final stretch. Adam Frisch visits Telluride and a mountain weather forecast. But first, smoky haze filled the Box Canyon on Monday. The smoke is coming from fires in the Flagstaff, Arizona region. Two fires, the Hayward Fire and Pipeline Fire, are collectively burning over 5,000 acres. They are minimally contained and sending smoke northeast. There are currently no fires burning in San Miguel County. The San Miguel County Sheriff's Office, in conjunction with the Federal Bureau of Investigation, arrested a 40-year-old Telluride man on Friday, June 10th, on felony charges for soliciting sex with a minor via text message. The Sheriff's Office arrested Israel Avalos Villa as part of a multi-agency undercover sex predator operation. According to the sheriff's office, Avalos Villa allegedly exchanged nearly 300 text messages over 36 hours on June 8th and 9th with law enforcement officials posing as a mother prostituting her 13- and 14-year-old daughters. In the text exchanges, Avalos Villa allegedly arranged to have the girls travel from Grand Junction to Telluride to, quote, perform sexual acts with him for compensation. The sheriff's office says in a search related to the arrest, sheriff deputies found $2,000 cash on Avalos Villa. Avalos Villa is charged with six felonies, including soliciting for child prostitution, internet sexual exploitation of a child, contributing to the delinquency of a minor, criminal attempt of sexual assault, and cyber crime. The San Miguel County Sheriff's Office coordinated with the FBI, Homeland Security Investigations, Colorado Bureau of Investigation, the 21st Judicial Attorney's Office, Grand Junction and Palisade Police Departments, and the Mesa County Sheriff's Office to arrest a total of eight individuals allegedly attempting to have sex with children or engage in prostitution. The final days to apply for the Sunnyside Housing Lottery are upon us. Folks have until noon on Tuesday, June 21st to get their applications in. That's Melanie Wasserman, Housing Director for the Town of Telluride. So we're we're on the countdown right now and we have a lot of people coming in to drop off applications as we speak. That number of applications coming in means it's likely going to be a competitive lottery. There's 20 units that are going to go into the lottery and as of right now I think that we have around 45 applications in. Um, You know that said I I have a feeling that that number will at least double over the next week. Given the number of applications coming through the door Wasserman says folks should prepare to go the extra mile to complete their paperwork. It's been pretty common that When people come in to turn in their applications, I would say almost half of the people that come to turn them in, we take five or ten minutes to review the application with them, and probably half of those folks we send away and say, you're missing these pieces, you know, come back when you've got those and submit it again. Um, And then (laughs) when people submit them and we do a deep dive into their application to review it, it's also really common that we call people and say, hey, you're, you know, 
you're missing your taxes or you're missing um, whatever it might be so that they have an opportunity to submit that and, and get to that accepted application status that everybody's looking to get to. With all those pieces, Wasserman encourages everyone planning to get an application in, do it now. Get organized and to get their stuff in and submitted as soon as possible. The sooner that we get applications and can review them, we will be able to tell people if they're missing things and give them the opportunity to fill that gap. During that last week after the lottery ends, after the acceptance period ends, if people are missing things, we're going to be asking for really quick turnarounds. Like you have 24 hours to get us this document or your application can't be submitted. Um, and so I, I think for everybody's sake, it's just good to get that information in because we're really running up against a lot of deadlines at this point to keep the lottery on track. Applications for the Sunnyside Housing Lottery are due by noon on Tuesday, June 21st. The lottery will take place at noon on Thursday, June 30th. The Housing Department will hold a site walk for Sunnyside this Wednesday, June 15th. Shuttles to the development will leave the San Miguel County Courthouse at 5 p.m. The walk will include tours of the tiny homes and three- and four-bedroom units. Adam Frisch is a Democrat, running for the U.S. House to represent Colorado's 3rd Congressional District. The seat is currently held by Republican Representative Lauren Boebert. Frisch is a former Aspen City Council member. He is running against Sol Sandoval and Alex Walker in the June 28th primary. Frisch visited Telluride over the weekend. KOTO's Matt Hoysh spoke with him and began with the basic question. Why are you running? Two words, Lauren Boebert. That's number one. I want to try to get some dignity back in office. We need a district representative that's going to focus on the district, not on their Twitter feed or trying to gin up what I call the angertainment industry. We have housing prices and a lot of other inflation that are spinning out of control, healthcare access, connectivity in rural district, and we need someone who's going to focus on the needs that people are talking about around their kitchen table. Well, if you win, your term in the House is pretty short, just two years. So what are the top three things you'll be fighting for in that time? The number one thing I'm going to do, Matt, is head to the Problem Solvers Caucus. It's made up of 58 members of the House of Representatives. There's 29 Democrats and 29 Republicans. I'm going to find a Republican when I get there in January and go there and try to work on bipartisan methodologies of getting things done. The lay of the land, regardless of how this works out in November for the country, is that anything of substance is going to have to get done in a bipartisan manner. And that's where my success has been in business of 30 years, and my success happened at the city council over in Aspen and working on regional issues as well. Well, talking about bipartisanship, you were actually unaffiliated party-wise until you registered as a Democrat this past December. Why the switch? Yeah, Matt, if there was a get stuff done party, I'd be in that party. I've always voted Democrat. And so when I decided to run, I knew that I was going to either run as unaffiliated or as a Democrat, and the Democratic core values are in my heart. I just never thought about activating uh, to join a party. And I've had frustrations with the Democratic Party as well. Number one thing, it's incredibly urban-centric party right now. And having a rural background growing up on an Indian reservation in northeastern Montana my first five years, and my great-grandfather starting a feed store in northern Minnesota where I grew up, I think it's really important that the Democratic Party starts focusing on rural America. And that's one of my number one overall core values that I want to focus on. 
Well, it's pretty ambitious to be a Democrat running in the 3rd Congressional District. A Republican has represented it since 2011. So why do you think you can be the Democrat to change that? Lauren Bobart only won 51% of her vote. She did not win her home county of Garfield, which is very representative of the district, Silt and Rifle. And there are a lot of organizations out there and a lot of Chamber of Commerces that are sick and tired of her antics and they want to see a change. Lauren Bobart can lose and will lose because I'm going to attract up to about 10% of her prior voters. And I think Don Corum is going to flush out 30 or 40% of them. And that's how she ends up losing. Well, with all due respect, you're not running against Lauren Boebert at the moment. You're running against Sol Sandoval and Alex Walker in the Democratic primary. So what sets you apart from those two? I think the other two candidates are really good people with really good policies. We share a lot in common. I think I'm a more of a mainstream, pragmatic candidate than the other two. But what's on the mind of a lot of Democratic primary voters more than normal because of the person who's in office is how are you going to win? And that's the st- they want to know about strategy more than even policy because they understand there's three good Democrats running. The question is who can really build a coalition to win? The simple math, Matt, is that the district is made up of 25% Democrats, 31% Republicans, and 43% unaffiliated. So the simple math says the Democrats can't do it by themselves. And I think I'm the only candidate that can actually build that coalition to defeat Boebert in the fall. Well, give me some examples. I mean, why do you think you're the only Democrat who can beat Boebert? Well, because I have a history of 30 years of successful business building coalitions, the same thing on the Aspen City Council, and I'm a consensus builder. You keep mentioning your time in Aspen City Council, but city government is obviously different than federal government. So why do you think those two skills are transferable? You know what? The issues that Aspen and Telluride have been facing for the past 30, 40, 50 years are now starting to seep out into what I would say real <laughs> real America with all due respect to our two beautiful towns. But when I'm in Alamosa, they're having conversations about affordable housing. When I'm in Pueblo and Grand Junction, they're talking about affordable housing. When I'm in South Fork, Colorado, They're talking about issues with short-term rentals and being able to resonate and have that conversation with the local city council people and the county commissioners and the the other leaders in those counties. I think it resonates that I have the skill set and experience and the ability to have those conversations. And it's it's bringing the same thing to the federal office. There's bigger issues to talk about, but then the day people want to focus on what's important for their family and their community. Adam Frisch is a Democrat running for the House of Representatives to represent Colorado's 3rd Congressional District. The Colorado primary is on Tuesday, June 28th. Adam, thanks for talking. Thanks, Matt. Have a great day. Telluride Town Council is convening on Tuesday with a packed agenda. In this installment of G is for Government, Council Member Geneva Shawnette shares what to expect. Hey Geneva, thanks for joining me for another installment of G is for Government. Absolutely. No problem. Telluride Town Council is meeting for its regularly scheduled meeting on Tuesday. Y'all have a packed agenda, so many things happening, mostly in the afternoon. So let's start with the morning. What are the work sessions taking place in the morning on Tuesday? Yeah, so our first work session is at 10 a.m. We're going to hear an update from the Gondola Subcommittee. They have been working on long-term planning as the current funding for the gondola um, expires in a handful of years. And 
we're, we're taking a regional approach to figure out how to move forward. Um, the next one will be a discussion reg- regarding an agreement with the Telluride Tourism Board. There were a lot of changes in the regional agreement with the Tourism Board since last year and since the election um, when we opted out of the county lodging tax as a town. So we've been in negotiations with the Tourism Board, and this is sort of the first um, work session that we're having uh to discuss and potentially adopt later in the afternoon a temporary um, agreement while we keep working on sort of a longer-term one. And then at 11.30, we will discuss um, possible charter amendments to remove the town-registered elector eligibility requirement for HARC, PNZ, and the Board of Adjustment and Appeals. And basically what that means is Right now, our charter, which is sort of like the town of Telluride Constitution, says that in order to sit on boards like Hark and PNZ, you have to be a resident of the town of Telluride. And I think that what we've been um, experiencing at, is that many of our boards sit um, without becoming without being full because there aren't as many people with those special interests or special um, background knowledge in order to apply for these boards. And so we are just going to be discussing opening that up to some of our other talented community members um, that may not live within the town of Telluride, but live in, say, Lawson Hill. Um, And yeah, those are the morning work sessions. Um, And then the afternoon looks, it's a little bit flip-flopped. Typically, the manager's report is one of the final things that happens in the day, but it's going to happen pretty quickly after y'all return from lunch. Um, And there's maybe a couple um, updates that the town manager, Scott Robson, might be given that that folks may be interested in. Can you give an overview of what those are going to be talking about? Yeah, so... um... Our, Scott Robson, our town manager, is going to discuss the skate park, which is finished and being used. Um, and that was just, I think, a very exciting project to get wrapped up um, before summer gets crazy. And um, then, of course, sales tax and the real estate transfer tax. Um, then we are going to, he's going to um, present to us about uh, water restrictions and update on the Sunnyside um, project, as well as the EPA project on the Valley floor. Got it. And then quickly, y'all are going to move into, I mean, what maybe seems like the bulk of the afternoon. Y'all have like a dozen or so action items to um, discuss in the afternoon without asking you to give a detailed description of every single one of them. Are there any that kind of pop out that you think um, listeners might be interested in? Yeah, I think that the um, the temporary agreement with the Telluride Tourism Board might may be interesting to some. We'll be voting on that um, first. And um, part of that will involve uh, appointing one of the town council members to be on the board of the Telluride Tourism Board um, of Directors. Uh, After that, let's see, we will be discussing the Open Space Commission work plan for the year. And um, we will be voting on adding two more vending locations in the town of Telluride, one in South Spruce Park and one um, at the corner of Pacific and Fur, uh, right outside the Silverjack building on the sidewalk there. Um, We'll also be raising, potentially voting on raising um, some parking meter rates downtown, and then quite a few um, requests from, uh, from different businesses in town to 
keep some of their outdoor dining that was granted as a result of some COVID changes. Well, that is a very packed meeting that y'all have. Um, But Geneva, I really appreciate you taking a couple minutes to chat with me today and we'll see you um, virtually or otherwise for town council on Tuesday. All right. Thanks so much. Bluegrass Weekend is officially here. That means banjos will be twanging, tie-dye will be flowing, and a barricade will be going up on the spur. With the barricade, vehicles will need to show a current San Miguel County seal windshield sticker or a barricade pass to get into town. Commercial vehicles, motorcycles, and vehicles with a persons with disabilities license plate or placard are exempt. New this year, town parking permits will not qualify entry into Telluride or allow legal parking during the festival. Drivers who need a barricade pass can collect one from the Telluride Parks and Recreation Department through Wednesday from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Drivers need to provide vehicle registration, a photo ID, and proof of employment or residence in Telluride. The barricade into Telluride will be set up at 4 p.m. on Wednesday, June 15th. Telluride is looking to opt out of a paid family medical leave insurance program, also called FAMILY. What this program is designed to do is to provide employees of participating employers up to 12 weeks of paid leave to take care of themselves or their family members during life events. That's Julia Praise, Administrative Services Director for the town of Telluride, speaking before town council at a retreat last week. The family program was created after voters in Colorado passed a bill in 2020 to create the state-run family leave program. As a local government praise notes, the town of Telluride is not required to participate in the program. Both the town and town employees would allocate money into the state insurance program to receive benefits if or when the employee needs them. It's much like the unemployment division, so it's a state-run insurance program. If any of you have ever used unemployment, um, it is likely to look and feel very much the same. So, you know, you will apply to this division for an event. They will approve your event and then they will remit the payment to you via a debit card or via direct deposit. If the town opts out of the program, it would not contribute funds, but an employee still could. They can choose to opt in. They only pay their portion of the premium, so their half, town contributes nothing, but the benefit payout per this program as of right now does not change for them. So there's no impact to the benefits they're getting back out of the program if we as town opt out and they opt in individually. Praise adds, aside from the family program, the town of Telluride could create its own family leave program in addition to the leave benefits it already has. Praise recommends the town does opt out, noting as a new program, there are still kinks to work through. She says Telluride could opt in further down the road. Town Council agrees, with members noting they want to ensure a robust town-run program. Here are council members Geneva Shawnette, followed by Adrian Christie. I wish that it made sense for us to play our part in supporting it. Um, I think that everybody should be opting in and not have the choice to opt out because that's just how I feel about healthcare and that kind of thing. But um, in this situation, yes, as long as we make our own, um, that's better, equal or better than I'm done opt out. 
it's important for municipalities, organizations to support state efforts in this way. Um, and we need to have a solid explanation as to why we're not participating, even because we have that choice. Um, I, as an elected official, signed on in support of this um, at the state legislature, and I think it's an important step for workers' rights, basically, and we, we need to honor that. Town Council will discuss the program further at its meeting on Tuesday. Consensus from Council is to opt out of the program. A new study tracked nearly 2,000 years of climate conditions in the Colorado River. As KUNC's Alex Hager reports, research found intense drought in the second century. Scientists looked at tree rings, lakes, bogs, and caves to learn about water availability, pushing our understanding of climate patterns 800 years further into the past. The research revealed the region's worst drought on record, a two-decade stretch where the Colorado River was at 68% of its average flow. For comparison, the historic drought we're in right now has left the river at 84% of average flow. The study's authors from the federal government and the University of Arizona say historical data can give today's water managers a better idea of just how much water levels in the river basin can vary and inform their planning for dry times in the future. I'm Alex Hager. There are people running for higher office in Colorado this month that are making unfounded voter fraud allegations a central theme of their campaigns. And that has election workers worried. As KOTO Scott Franz reports, county clerks are embracing new tools and state laws to assure residents about the integrity of the vote. Just as voters started getting their ballots for the upcoming June 28th primary, Colorado's Attorney General sent out a memo warning there will be new consequences for anyone who tries to intimidate voters or meddle with the election. Matt Crane says he has never seen anything like it in his two decades of helping run Colorado's elections. But I think it, you know, it helps highlight um, the concerns that are out there about elections. Crane leads the state's bipartisan county clerks association. The Republican was a county clerk in Arapahoe County and served as an election security consultant before taking the statewide job. Today, he's a leading critic of members of his own party who continue to try and cast doubt on the state's voting system. People's desire to, uh, you know, undermine public confidence, not based on fact, but based on half-truths and lies could lead to violent uh, situations, and I think that's what everybody's concerned about. Many of the state's county clerks say they are dealing with threats, misinformation, and harassment that started during the 2020 presidential election. In Adams County, they are wearing bulletproof vests to work, but others, including Mesa County's Tina Peters, are still promoting unfounded allegations of voter fraud. Peters stood on the west steps of the state capitol in April and said Colorado's election results have been tampered with. And for people that say we need to look, we need to look forward, we got to fix what happened in 2020. Investigators in her home county have refuted those claims, and a grand jury indicted Peters over allegations she helped an outsider get a hold of voting machine data last year. She's now running for Secretary of State, which is Colorado's top election job. Crane says with election critics like Peters on the ballot, he's more worried than ever about Election Day. We are preparing for June 29th, 2022 to be worse than November 4th, 2020. 
Because if we have some of these candidates lose, or if they're losing at the time, the claims of fraud and all of the garbage is just going to be amplified even more. And that means there are things happening at county clerk's offices this month that have never happened before. In Chafee County, Clerk Lori Mitchell recently held an unprecedented meeting with the sheriff's office to talk about potential threats. She is also releasing a new guidebook about election crimes. It makes our staff feel safe. It makes the voters feel safe. Mitchell says she almost canceled her re-election bid this year because of the threats she has been facing since the last election. Instead, she says she's doubling down on making her office more secure and transparent. We've implemented some key card access, so we have a log um, and also an alarm system. Mitchell says she is also excited to get some backup from the state capitol. Governor Jared Polis signed a new law making it a crime to openly carry guns near polling places. He also approved measures this month to toughen criminal penalties for people who threaten election workers or meddle with voting equipment. Secretary of State Jenna Griswold says the new laws will hold bad actors accountable. People are running to oversee elections across this nation who are uh, uh, embracing conspiracy theories, so we believe that it will continue to spread. Despite these new penalties for people who try to interfere, Matt Crane of the County Clerks Association says voters should brace for some threats. People have just been brainwashed on this to believe um, these people who have uh, financial interests, political interests, whatever it may be, in perpetrating, continuing to perpetrate um, this lie about Krakens and voting systems and so on and so forth. Crane also says clerks are finding new ways to fight against misinformation. Voters have until June 28th to return their ballots. They can track their progress online to make sure they are accepted and counted. I'm Scott Franz at the State Capitol. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for mostly clear skies tonight with a low around 45 degrees. Winds could gust as high as 50 miles per hour. Tuesday, expect sunny skies with a high near 70 degrees with wind gusts as high as 30 miles per hour. Tuesday night should be clear with a low around 45. Wednesday calls for sunny skies during the day and clear skies at night. The high is in the mid-70s with a low around 50 degrees. There is a red flag warning in effect through Tuesday. This has been the news for Monday, June 13th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, a personal commentary. Hi, this is David Nevsky, Town of Telluride's Public Information Officer. I've got a very special guest here today. We've got Katie Duty, our Director of Wastewater Treatment Plant. Hi, Katie. Hey, David. How are you? I'm great. So we've got bluegrass coming up this weekend, and um, I had a couple questions for you on how we can uh, best you know, serve our, our town and our, uh, our water. How, um, how can our tourists coming in uh, best... Uh, best conserve water during the weekend? Thanks for asking, David. Great question. Super passionate about this. So it's pretty easy. It's if you're uh, brushing your teeth, turn the faucet off, right? As while you're brushing your teeth. Love it. Um, Something else in between each, just make sure that little faucet, I keep saying that just in the off position, not keeping it on. Off. Off. Water off. Also, if you're local, don't water your grass. It would help a lot saving the tank storage that we have going on. Perfect. And one final question for this PSA. 
what should we and what shouldn't we be flushing down the toilet? Oh my gosh. Okay. So I currently am still waiting for my pair of Jimmy Choo's that I'm waiting. Last year we found some Nikes. We found flip-flops. They don't go too well. So please don't flush shoes down the toilet. Great. Got it. Other simple things, um, eggshells, dental floss, diseased pets or animals in general, which is a little bit morbid, but please watch out for that. And then just... You know, the usual that you should watch out for, mop heads, rags, diapers. Fats, oils, and greases are a no. Ooh, talk sexy to me, David. Yes, no fats, oils, and grease, please. Oh, that makes me happy. Um, All right, I think that wraps it up. Thank you so much, Katie. Thank you, David. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at Koto. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.